I just uh, I want to start off by everybody just taking a deep breath. Can we just all? Yeah, I mean, it's been a, it's been a crazy couple of months. I think sometimes it's important that we stop and we breathe in the truth that God is in control. Amen. That Jesus is in control. That the government rests on his shoulders. And so we can breathe in the hope and the peace and the life and, and, and the, the restoration of heaven. Regardless of how you feel about what happened over the past week, that does not change the fact that God is still God. That, that God is still in control. That, that he is ruling and reigning and can I say not surprised nor nervous about what's happening and so we can rest in him and we've been walking through what we're calling our manifesto there there are these kind of declarations of intent it's like man this is who we are and these are the things that we want to fight to become and they're going to be up on the screen. I want you to say them. I'm going to look right here, and you just look right there. But then we'll just all just think, I just like, wow, you know them, okay? So read them, but I'm going to look at you, okay? So Jesus is our message. Hold on, time out. That was not a good effort. Okay, can we, can we start again, and let's remember that no one's playing golf up here or tennis. We don't have to be quiet. We, this can be fun and interactive, okay? Because what we just said is a really, really good word, okay? So let's start back from the top again and, and, and read it as if you believe it, okay? Just, just entertain me, all right? Here we go. Jesus is our message. Serving is our privilege. Celebration is our soundtrack. Generosity is our standard. Transformation is our byproduct Honor is our language. And what we want to talk about today is hope is our belief. Hope is our belief. And what we found again and again, we just keep running into the very same truth. Every time we lean into one of these things, time and time again, it just becomes crystal clear that a life that is alive in God is a, is a life that has an impact on what's around them. A life that's alive in God, a life that is full of the truth of who God is, it just has an impact on what is around them. And if you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Romans 5, because what we're going to be leaning into today, and this idea of hope is our belief, really was birthed in part out of this scripture. It says this in verse 1, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Uh-oh. It's going to be a tough one today, but can we make it together? We also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, 
character and character hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who he has given us today to the title of my talk as we're leaning into what does it mean for us for hope to be our belief is the secret in the struggle. The secret in the struggle. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are already here. Thank you for your presence, Lord. Thank you for your power. Thank you that during worship you inhabited our praises. Thank you, God, that there's already been some shifts that are happening in our lives as we're just getting closer to you and your glory gets bigger in view. Lord, we just can't be the same when we encounter that. And so, God, I'm asking that that would only increase, God, as we lean into the truth of your word. Lord, get me out of the way. Let your truth be what we hear and what changes our life. And everybody shouted at church. Amen. The story that I want to open with this morning, some of you guys have heard this story, but it's too good just to tell once. And um, for those of you guys who, who don't know, a few years ago, my family was given an incredible gift. Now, up to this point, we had become masters of the staycation. Anybody know about the staycation? When you can't afford to go on a vacation, you go on a staycation, right? And, and so my family has mastered the staycation uh, in these past few years. And so my kids are like, where are we going on vacation, Dad? I'm like, the zoo. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, we're going to have so much fun, like, right here. We live in a city where people go on vacation, so we're just going to be here. Right, And we kind of convinced them of that. They, they had thought that like vacation was just dad doesn't go to work for a couple of days and we like drive around town and like eat Krispy Kreme donuts. Right? Like we had mastered the staycation. And, and some of our friends had found out that we hadn't ever really taken a real family vacation. And they wrote us this letter and they were like, hey, we want you guys to go on a vacation. And they said, we want to pay for you guys to go to Disney World. And we were like, Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, what a gift. I mean, unbelievable generosity. And, and so we were like, how do we even tell our kids that this is going to happen? You know? And like, how do you even break the news to them that like, we're going on vacation and we're going to Disney World and this is going to be the greatest, this like amazing, right? So we are just, Liz and I are just so fired up. Like, and, and look, I am horrible at keeping secrets and gifts. You know, like if I get you something and I know it's good, I'm just going to give it to you. You know what I'm saying? Like ask Liz, like if I get her a really good, like I, I almost got her something for Christmas already. I would just, if I would have pulled the trigger, I just would have been like, Merry Christmas. <laughs> like I can't do it. Like I can't hold on to it. So like I told, we were driving in the car and I was like, Liz, we just got to tell them. Like, just turn your camera on. It's going to be cool. So we're driving in our car, and we break the news to our kids that we are going to go to Disney World, and this is what happened. Check it out. One, two, three. Disney World! We're going to Disney World? Yes! Yay! 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 Oh, wow, Dave. Why are you crying? I don't want to Why not? Where do you want to go? I want to go. I don't know. 
Wait, do you have to tell us where you want to go? If you... I do not know! <laughs> okay. Well, I think you'll change your mind probably. No, I do not want to go to Disney World! Where do you want to go, buddy? Hawaii. Hawaii? Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> Hawaii. Okay, so are you all just blown away at the thankful heart that bubbles up within my children, right? Now, this video happened before we completed our family with our adoption. So you're like, wait, they have four kids. There's only two kids. So that was before. And so we got to go to Disney World. Now, let me take you into what happened when the camera got turned off. Because I was honestly perplexed. Tate. Why, this is like, this place is made for you, okay? Like, I'm the one that should be saying, I want to go to Hawaii, not you. Okay, so as we leaned in, what we found out was, is that although Tate had heard of Disney World, he had no idea what Disney World was. He was completely clueless about going, what going to Disney World actually was going to look like, let alone what he was going to experience when he got there. But he did know from movies and television what it looked like and felt like when you go to Hawaii. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest with you, Tate. It's awesome. I've been there. It's great. Like, it, it, Hawaii is a great place. But, but when we kept leaning in, we, we started realizing, man, Tate doesn't know he doesn't know what Disney World is. Like, I don't think he's actually disappointed. I just actually think he doesn't understand. And so as we started showing him videos and like pictures and being like, dude, this is what Disney World is. He was like, oh, okay, I'm in, right? Now, we, we go, we have a wonderful time. And, and uh, who is the biggest advocate of going back to Disney World now? Tate, right? Tate's like, Dad, we got to take the twins. We got to go back. We got to go back. I'm like, dude, I'd love to, bro, but we need that letter to come back. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Our hope in what is coming is connected to our understanding and clarity of what is coming. Can I say that again? Our hope in what is coming is connected to our understanding and clarity of what is coming. Paul said it to us this way. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. The fuel source for our hope is who God is. The fuel source of our hope is the glory of God, meaning that, that we can walk through anything and our hope never be threatened, never be challenged if we are hoping in who God is and not what we hope God does. The strength in us of the hope that we have inside of us is in direct connection to the size of the glory of God that we understand within us. 
And the challenge that all of us, all of us have when we're focused on trying to, to live as hope is our belief, living from a place of unshakable hope, a hope that we can boast in, and, and, and the hope that, that we can live from. The, the challenge in that is that we will encounter the tendency of the human heart. And the tendency of the human heart is to look at what is happening to find hope in it versus the glory of God who is over all of it. The tendency of the human heart is to find our hope in what is happening and not the glory of the God that we are serving. And what that leads to is heart sickness and that heart sickness is called hopelessness. Proverbs 13, 12 says it this way, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And the heart sickness of hopelessness is like a cancer that attacks our faith and it attacks our joy and it attacks our peace. And just like cancer in our physical bodies, it can start small and sometimes barely noticeable, but untreated can become so pervasive that apart from a miracle, it becomes almost impossible to remove. I was talking to a friend of mine, and he was telling me about a lunch that he, he had at one of those chance encounters with the leader of the largest atheist group here in our city. And in this encounter, they just started kind of sharing life and stories. And, and as my friend was leaning into this guy, he, he found out that actually this guy's parents were pastors. That he grew up in a home that loved Jesus, served Jesus, and gave everything that they had for Jesus. And, and so my friend had to ask him, like, okay, so how did you go from believing to doubting to not believing? Like, take me into that process. And, and man, his answer was Proverbs 13, 12, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hopelessness is a cancer that will erode our faith, our hope, our joy, our peace. Because he said this, I prayed for something for a long time and God didn't do anything. God didn't do anything. We hope in the glory of of God. We hope in who God is, not in what we hope God does. Unshakable hope is rooted in who he is, not what we hope that he does for us or through us. The hope that we can boast in is a hope that is rooted in who he is. Because can I just encourage you today, you will have a horrible life. Life is hard, all right? That doesn't, that doesn't preach too often here in America. Let me just cut to the chase. You're going to experience some pain in life. Someone's going to wrong you. Someone's going to mistreat you. Someone is going to reject you. You are going to encounter pain. You're going to encounter loss. You are going to deal with anxiety. You're going to deal with the repercussions of depression. You know how I know that? Because we all live here. It's going to be tough. 
It's gonna, Jesus even said that in this life that we will have trouble. And, and, and the, the problem is, and, and dare I say the weakness of some of our faith is really rooted in this. Is that we have bought into this idea that if we follow God, then life will be good. So when trouble hits, we question God. When life happens, we're like, how did this happen? When difficult things run into us, you lose your job. COVID happens. Craziness ensues. Everything that you thought was secure is now not. You're like, how could God allow this? Well, no, 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 no. Our hope is not in what God will allow. Our hope is in who God is. So we can walk through uncertainty and not be shaken because we're not grabbing our hope in what we see. We're grabbing our hope in the God that we serve. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Our hope is not connected to what is happening. Our hope is fueled by the God that we are serving. And this is big because when trouble hits, when when tragedy hits, the tendency of the human heart is to question the character of God. I'll never forget talking to one of my uncles who is not a believer. He is wild. And something wild happened in his wild life. And he calls me and he's like, how would God let this happen? He doesn't even serve God, doesn't claim Jesus. But when craziness happens, that's where the human heart goes. It's to question the character of God. That's why we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Because if we understand who he is, the uncertainty of our circumstances become less oppressing. Because we, we are boasting in his glory and his sovereignty and his goodness and his grace. And so when hard things happen when we experience loss, when we lose people that we love unexpectedly, and it's earth-shattering, when anxiety is taking our breath away, when depression is debilitating, when unemployment is terrifying, right? And we're watching like everything that we've worked for seemingly like evaporate in a day, and we're left with nothing but pain and questions. Life will make you ask some pretty scary questions. Life will make you like question some things you never thought that you would question when the sun's shining. You hear what I'm saying? Like, what did I do to deserve this? I asked that one. I'll be honest with you. What did I do to deserve this? Like, or, or what didn't I do? Any performance-geared people up in the house? What didn't I do, right? The real spiritual of us in the house. How did I not pray right? Did I, did I not organize my words correctly? Did I not, like, lean in? Did I not fast long enough? Did I not, like pray the right words, like, like how come nothing seems to be happening? And, and, and these big, scary questions happen on the backside of tragedy. I don't care who you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. When you encounter real pain, these things bubble to the surface. 
and in all of the emotion and the questions that we will encounter in the struggle, it is how we respond to them that we will find either the boasting strength that Paul is talking about in Romans 5 or begin to suffer from the heart sickness that we find in Proverbs 13, 12. The questions will come, but the response is up to us. Are you hearing me? You know, we touched last week, if you were with us, on a guy named David. And David, what we found out last week as we were leaning into what does it mean for honor to be our language, that we, we ran into the fact that David was and is a big deal in the Bible. David was a shepherd that became an unlikely warrior who became an even more unlikely king. And he was a fearless leader that fought giants and radically and fiercely defended the character of the God that he served at all costs. But even though... His life was loaded with the unbelievable, unmerited favor and kindness of God. There is one thing that seemed to follow David around, and it was trouble. David could not run fast enough to get away from trouble. You don't have to look far to see that David was familiar with having to struggle. As we touched on last week, he was literally hunted. He, he was chased, betrayed, accused, and attacked. But I want to keep it real with you. Some of the trouble that David encountered in his life is because David made bad decisions. So I, since we're already there, let's just go ahead and keep keeping it real. Can we just keep keeping it real? Some of us are blaming God for things that we did. We're like, how in the world could this happen? I don't know. How in the world have you been living? I mean, like, for real. We're going to act the fool, do everything that God tells us not to do, and then the consequences hit, and we're like, God, where are you? He's like, I was there. I told you. I gave you a whole book to keep you from this stuff. Okay, y'all don't want to go there. Okay, we're just going to keep moving on. Just going to let that firm in a little bit. I'm just going to let that one just kind of firm in a little bit. Come back next week. It'll be an encouraging message, okay? But, but the fact is, is that sometimes we encounter trouble because we run into trouble. And sometimes trouble finds us because it's just trouble. And David had both. David found some trouble when he slept with somebody else's wife, had that dude killed, and tried to keep it from everybody. Guess what? There was consequences for that, and it hurt. But some of the trouble that David encountered was just the people just for some reason did not like this homie. People did not want to see this man succeed. And so they would devise their entire life around trying to see David brought down. One of these moments where David literally finds himself running for his life because this guy just didn't like him. He's running from his life. He's got a group of people with him. Then the group of people who were with him that he thought that he could trust, the people who had his back that he could go to in his pain, they turn on him. You ever felt like everything is just like 
unraveling? That everybody's leaving you? That, 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 that like, it's like, man, I can't even find any security around the relationships in, on earth that I found security in. And you just find yourself like for real alone? When David was in one of these moments where he literally was being chased, trying to be killed, the people that he loved turned on him and betrayed him, he wrote Psalms 42. Some of you guys have heard me say over and over again because it's the only good joke I've ever written. It was like, aren't you thankful that God published David's journal and not yours, right? Yeah. So Psalms 42, he is pouring his heart out to the Lord and this is what he says. As the deer pants for streams of water, my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go to meet with you, God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long. Here's the question. Here's the question that comes up in all of us when we hit trouble. Where is your God? David was at his end, man. Like the sorrow was too much. Like you ever been so low, you can't sleep, you can't eat, you can't sing. David was there. The pain was so deep. He was tied up in knots day and night. He was panting. Desperate, thirsty for the Lord. But listen to how David responds. Remember, this is where we have power in situations that seem like are overpowering us. David responds, these things I remember. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God. Under the protection of the mighty one. With shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Listen to that flip. I pant for you. I'm I'm desperate just to get to church. I'm dying over here just like as a deer pants for water. And then all of a sudden, he takes a minute and he remembers. He changes what he sees. And he starts talking to himself. Why are you so down right now, soul? Why so downcast? Why disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. You see, David is tapping into the secret hope in the struggle. You see, Psalms 42, David is actually giving us a battle plan, if you will, on how we fight the cancer, or should we say the treatment plan, on how we, how we treat the cancer of hopelessness and disappointment and the heart sickness that we all experience in light of tragedy happening in our life. He says, you know what? This is what's happening. I'm not going to look around it. I'm going to look right at it. I'm desperate to get to church. I can't handle it anymore. I'm At my end, I'm crying so much, it's become my food. This is really, really difficult, but I'm not going to stay here. I'm not going to stay here. 
I'm going to remember those times when I went to church and I worshiped God and he drew so close to me that his presence got bigger than my problems. He says, I'm going to remember when God spoke truth and protection over me when I was in trouble. I'm going to change what I see. You hear what I'm saying? I'm not going to look at the destruction. I'm going to look at the glory of God. I'm going to look at the glory of the God that I serve. I'm going to put my focus on the strength of who God is. I'm going to put my focus on the nearness of who God is in his glory and the momentary pain that I'm encountering. The momentary trouble that I'm enduring will become small as I put my hope in the bigness of the glory of the God that I'm serving. This is what Paul is tapping into in Romans 5 too. When he says that we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And it makes where he goes next make a whole lot more sense. Because right after he says we boast in the hope of the glory of God, he says that not only so, but we also glory in our suffering. You hear what I'm saying? Paul has tapped into the fact that difficulty creates opportunity. Oh, y'all didn't even hear what I said. Paul says we have spent our lives running from suffering, but it's suffering that creates opportunity for the glory of God to be produced within us. He says, so yeah, it's hard right now. I'm not going to be mad at God. I'm going to worship in the pain because what's happening in me is going to have an effect on everything around me. And so he says, I glory in my suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance is something that we have lost in the body of Christ in 2020. But we're, we're not like, we're not as tough as we used to be. One thing happens, oh, the world's ending. It's over. It's too heavy. It's too hard. It's too scary. No, 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 no. We're going to glory in the suffering. Because when we glory in the suffering, when we learn to be worshipers, our pain turns into praise. When our pain turns into praise, we learn that there's nothing that can happen to us that can steal the glory of God from us. So it puts perseverance in us to be able to endure some stuff, and we quit running from pain, start running to pain. Because where the world needs us right now is where it hurts. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so we got to have some perseverance. we got to understand that a life full of God is not a life that is absent of suffering. It's a life that glories in suffering. Because it's going to produce in us perseverance, and perseverance is going to put a character in us. You want to know how you make it? You have character. So that means you got to go through some stuff if you want to come out the end of your life in love with Jesus the way that you were when you were 10. They're connected. It's not separate. It's connected. It produces character, and character produces hope and hope. 
does not put us to shame. Hope does not put us to shame because what? Because God's love, uh uh-oh, God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I don't know Greek, but I look up Greek words, okay? And the Greek word there that is used for the word glory is doxa. That word means splendor and brilliance. And it is the base meaning of the the words awesome light. But it also means... Acts of power, acts of power, honor and praise. It's assigned to the highest status of who God is. So when it says that we glory in our suffering, it's saying it's, it's, not, it's not a little glory. This is the maximum amount of glory. This is the highest status of who God, we're looking at his brilliance and his majesty because we hope in who God is, not in in what we hope God does. How we fight heart sickness and disappointment and hopelessness, we have to stop looking at what's happening and start looking at the splendor and the brilliance and the power of the glory of the God that we're serving. Remember how Tate felt about Disney, right? Before he knew about Disney. He had heard about Disney, but he had never seen Disney. So getting close to Disney had no effect on him. He was just overwhelmed at the disappointment that it was different than what he thought. But when he saw it, when he saw it, when he understood what it was. Our hope in the middle of waiting for what is coming has a direct connection to our understanding of who is coming. Our hope and our understanding of his glory are tied together. The hope that we carry will only be as strong as the amount of glory that we see. The hope that we carry, the, the hope that we can, the hope that will hold us through trouble. The hope that will allow you to sleep in a boat when the storm seems to be about to capsize it. It's connected to the size of the glory of God that we see. What Paul tells us is it's because God's love has been poured out. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. John 3.16 may be one of the most quoted passages of Scripture that we hear all the time but don't really hear. It says that God so loved the world. God so loved the world. The world didn't say that God so was waiting for the world to figure out what was going on. 
God was eager to have people get their life right. So he would send his son. No, that's not what it says. God so loved the world. Hear me. You know what? In the struggle, we need to stop striving and start receiving. We need to stop striving and start receiving. Look, even this week for me personally, been lots of opportunities to surrender to the anxiety that is so prevalent around me instead of trusting in the God who is for me. This is a daily thing for everybody. That we can get lost in what we see and we lose sight of what we can't see. But hope is our belief. Hope is not an emotion. Hope is your belief. Hope is your belief. It's what you believe that's going to bring you hope. It's in who you believe in who's going to bring you hope. And so it doesn't matter what happens outside of your life. We boast in the hope of the glory of God who is in our life. So we can look at trouble and we can say, I'm going to glory in this momentary suffering. Because this is producing some perseverance. This is doing some stuff in me that's going to allow me to stand in the storms that are coming. It's going to allow me to have unshakable hope that I can boast in in the future. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 16 puts it this way. Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Man, that's a good word. We don't lose heart, though outwardly we're wasting away. It looks like we're losing everything. Inwardly, we're being renewed day by day for our light and momentary trouble are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes on what is seen. So I'm sorry. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. When you feel lost, get lost in the eternal glory of God. Marvel at his goodness. Marvel at his majesty. Start looking at what you can't see before we start allowing what we can see to steal the hope that our heart so desperately needs. I believe that today God wants to begin to fill our hearts through the Holy Spirit with his love in such a deep way that the struggle that we find ourselves in today is going to begin to move from hopelessness into hope. That there's going to be some transition that begins to happen in our lives from darkness into light. Am I talking to anybody today? There's going to be a shift from depression to life. There's going to be a shift from anxiety to peace. There's going to be a shift today, a transition in the areas of our life that feel hopeless. They're going to become areas that start producing unshakable hope. 
because hope is our belief. Yeah, we might be in a season, a light momentary season where it seems like outwardly we're wasting away. But what happens outwardly has nothing to do with what's happening inwardly. So I can be outwardly wasting away. I can lose everything but gain everything. Because my hope is not in what happens. My hope is not in what I hope God does for me. My hope is not in what I hope God brings me. My hope is not in what God is going to make happen for me. My hope is in who God is. It's in who he is. It's in who he is. Hey, I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning. Can you stand to your feet? And if you're watching online, I want to encourage you to join in with us because I genuinely believe that God wants to bring us into a place of transition. He wants to transition us from being in a place of hopelessness into a place of hope. He wants to transition us from being lost in areas that feel anxious in us and begin to bring us peace. And so if you're new to church, you might be like, yo, man, this is a little bit crazy, but I want you to open your hands out. Your, your weird meter might be going through the roof. It's all good. You can just, if you're not comfortable, you can just watch us be weird. But I just want you to hold your arms out like you're going to receive something. Because I believe that God wants to pour his love out on us in such a radical way that it's going to melt hopelessness away. It's going to melt depression away. It's going to melt fear away. It's going to melt anxiety away. And it's not anything that we do. It's in who he is and what he's made a way for us to simply just receive. We don't need to strive for it. We just need to simply receive it. And so let's just all close our eyes. Lord, we're asking that right now that you would come and fill us with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we may abound in hope. Lord, I'm asking that you would come by the power of the Holy Spirit and fill us with the love of God, the love that heals, the love that restores, the love that transforms, the hope that, and love that strengthens us. And, and right now, look, with every eye closed, I, I believe this morning, that there's some people here who have stepped away from God's plan for their life or you have never made a decision to follow Jesus and give him your life. And look, with every eye closed and if you're watching online, you know, we see people saved online all the time. So you're not, a part, you're not, you're not separate from this. You're right here with us in this. If you've never made a decision for Jesus to be the Lord of your life, life, the Bible says that the consequence of the sin in our life is death, meaning that the things in us that that separate us from who God is and who God has called us to be and how God has called us to live, they don't just separate us from God now, they separate us from God for eternity. But Jesus did something for me and he did something for you. He took all of our screw-ups, all of our depravity, all of our brokenness, all of our sin. He took it upon himself and he took the punishment that my decisions and your decisions have brought upon you. He took them upon himself and he took the punishment
punishment of our sin so that we can experience his grace and his love and his power and his unmerited favor regardless of what we've done regardless of who we feel like we are that in light of what Jesus did on the cross and conquering sin and death by coming back to life three days later that we can receive the power of the Holy Spirit and what once separated us Jesus becomes the bridge for us and we can step from where we are into who he's called us to be simply by receiving the love that he has for us. And if you're here today, or if you're watching this online, I don't want you to miss a moment for Jesus to become big to you in an area in your life where you feel like you are at the end of yourself. When when you're just done with it, and you're like, I can't handle it anymore. Maybe you showed up this morning just desperate, like David, like, man, I'm just, I'm panting for water. I'm just like desperate right now for some breakthrough. And God reminded me this morning to come here and to share the gospel so that people can experience the radical love of Jesus today so that you can have a transition in your life from death into life. And that's the first transition that happens before hopelessness can go to hope. It's, you got to transition from death to life first. And so if you're here and you have never made that decision to follow Jesus, I want you to, I want every eye closed in this place and I want to count the three. And when I get the three, if you want to make that decision, I'm giving my life to the Lord or you need to make a comment online or make sure you call the prayer hotline. We want to connect with you. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand so that I can specifically pray for you. When I count the three, I want you to do it. One, I want you to know Jesus died for your sin so that you can have eternal life. Two, All we have to do is confess our need for him, our brokenness, and he will lead us into his grace. And three, all we have to do is say yes. Anybody want to give their life to Jesus? I see you. Anybody else? Come on. Amen. Anybody else? We got time. Yeah, amen. Can we just take a minute and celebrate with those people who just gave their lives to Jesus? Come on. We love you. We love you, Lord. I want everybody to join with me. If you want to pray that prayer, pray it with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. Make me whole. Lord, I once was lost in sin, but today I have found life in you. Lord, I pray that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit, overwhelm me with your kindness, and transition me from hopelessness into the unshakable hope that is now my belief. And everybody said, amen.